Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Tripping Up. This is the first episode of season two, and I can't wait to dive into all of the hilarious, ridiculous, and kind of crazy stories that we've got for you about travel trip ups. I'm your host, Nina Clapperton, travel writer and author of the blog, Nina Out and About. My first guest on Tripping Up this season is Aaron Miller, who is an award-winning travel writer, journalist, and author. You can find his work in the Times of London, National Geographic Traveler, UK, and all sorts of international publications. He's even written two books on the 50 greatest wonders of the world and the 50 greatest national parks of the world, which is such a good read and I highly recommend if you're ever going on a road trip and looking for some inspirations. Aaron joins me to talk about a 100-mile pub crawl, what real darkness is, stealing from monks, and how we have a bit of a wonder deficit in the West. I hope you enjoy the first episode of season two. Let's get right into it. Now boarding. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to Tripping Up. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited to have you all the way from the Rockies. Yeah, all the way from the sunny Rocky. Well, actually today a bit snowy, but we're almost in spring now. So yeah, mostly the sunny Rocky Mountains of Colorado. You're one of the few guests I think that can rival Canada for snow. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> that like have another cold person on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know if we quite rival you guys. Actually, I have one of my best friends that lives in Montreal and he's always texting me with complaining about how absolutely freezing it is. We do get a lot of snow though. We, we were dumped on by about two feet. Uh, a few weeks ago and for for an English person where it's like if you get an inch they shut down the entire country it's national news like we've had an inch of snow shut down the trains you know it's so it's uh, for me that's pretty pretty exceptional I'm still like a little kid when that happens though I'm like straight out having snowball fights with my kids and, and having fun that's amazing though yeah I think like you get jaded to it growing up with it where like now I just like I don't know I, I kind of feel like 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 the old Scrooge where I'm just like in the corner like oh it's snowing again like <laughs> summer coming I know. <laughs> yeah and then summer comes and I do the British thing of it's too hot <laughs> just like yeah, never exactly. satisfied moan about the weather and you will get by as a British person perfectly fine <laughs> although oh my god shoveling snow I had no idea how hard work that is that's uh that's a back-breaking job isn't it that's the first thing I think now I'm like to be jaded as well like oh my god I have about an hour of shoveling snow ahead of me yeah, that's that's why my my older brother actually for one of his birthdays asked for a snowblower because that's his chore. <laughs> he got it. It's best investment we've ever had. It's I you love should that. not. It's so smart of him. Yeah, don't buy a teenage boy a snowblower would be my my advice. Like wait till he's a bit older. But like, but it it was. <laughs> that's a really great way to like circumvent your chore. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So we'd love to get to know you more on the podcast. How about you tell our guests why you travel and how you travel. So yeah, I'm a travel writer. I kind of quit the music industry about 15 years ago where I, I kind of worked for most of my 20s and kind of ran off to be a travel writer accidentally. I kind of fell into it. I uh, 
I come from a family of writers. I, I love writing. That's kind of my passion. And um, I started out and I, I kind of really just just wanted to get into journalism. And, and luckily, kind of first few things I got published were in travel and and um, and kind of taken off from there. So I write mostly about kind of outdoor travel, adventure travel. I try and write things that inspire people to connect more deeply with the natural world and uh, to see places of the world and to find out about different cultures. And, um, and that's what I really love doing. So a lot of the travel I've done for the last 15 years has been, you know, on, on various assignments and stuff like that, which has been a great way to, to really explore places deeply. You know, I think that's one of the great things about writing too, is that when you're, when you, and, and you don't have to be a professional writer to do this, of course, either. But it, when you uh, have like a creative angle, whether it be writing or photography or or art or, or blogging or podcasting that you're thinking about whilst you're exploring these destinations, it, it adds another layer and you're kind of engaging with it and, and thinking about it on a deeper level. But you're also kind of forced out of your shell and to meet people and to ask questions and to find out about that, them and their place. Um, and that's just a great way to, to make friends all around the world. So that's one of the things I love about it. I Yeah, I think that's a great way to kind of look at travel. A lot of people who've been on the podcast, that is kind of, I think that's a thing that everyone loves so much, even like I'm a solo traveler. So like I'm an introvert solo traveler. By all stereotypes, I should hate people. But one of, the, <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I travel is to meet all these amazing people all over the world. Yeah. 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 And I think that's solo travel is great for that. I mean, it's 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 really fun, obviously, traveling with friends or family. Um, and it's great to share those memories and experiences. But I always think when you travel on your own, stuff just happens, right? Like, I think if you're with people, whether you're sitting at the bar and you're with your friends, there's a, almost a little bubble around you, right? Where people don't necessarily come up and approach you. And maybe you don't have the, you know, the motivation to go up and approach someone else because you're quite happy. Um, but when you're solo, I just find that people come over and they're like, hey, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, why are you sitting in this weird bar in the middle of nowhere on your own and um and I always think that you know serendipitous things just happen to me when I travel alone and I have I've been lucky to do a lot of that traveling um as a travel writer on my own and um yeah it's quite a freeing experience in many ways because you can kind of just go where you want and do what you want and, and explore uh, without having to kind of accommodate friends and other people and and you can just really go into deeply into the experience itself which I which I love. I completely agree. I think that's a really, yeah, going deep into the experience is a great way to phrase it. That's definitely kind of what it feels like. So now that we know uh, why you travel, how about you tell us about something odd and weird that you picked up as a souvenir in your time? Yeah, I love this question. I wanted to tell you, by the way, I love the format of your show. I, I love the questions you. that you <laughs> ask, and I've really enjoyed listening to it and getting into it. Yeah, so um, my favorite souvenir from travel uh, actually is from one of my first, actually my first major job. So I'd kind of, in a crazy way, quit this kind of, you know, well-paid job. I was on the career ladder, um, all was going well, but um, kind of out of the blue, I just decided to, to quit it and sort of follow my dream of trying to be a writer. And, you know, I was, I was at that age of kind of turning 30 and, and just seeing the rest of my life pan out. And it was a great life, right? But it wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't want to live that life without at least giving this a go, without giving it a shot, you know? And I spent about six months trying to get published and I'd, I'd basically run out of money. And I had, I suddenly had this idea. I, I lived in um, the South of England in, in a town called Brighton. And I had actually moved just outside of Brighton to the countryside. So I was actually living in, what is now the South Downs National Park, which is this, it's England's newest national park. And it's a beautiful, beautiful landscape. It's kind of a working landscape. It's a UNESCO bios biosphere re reserve. So it, it encompasses these, you know, beautiful rolling hills called the South Downs, but also like working farms and lots of history. And so I decided to celebrate the opening of this national park by doing a hundred mile pub crawl along the South Downs Way, which is this kind of hundred mile footpath, historic footpath that links Eastbourne and Winchester together. And kind of as a last ditch effort, I pitched this to a couple of outdoor magazines and newspapers and they picked it up. And um, so I got to, for my first job, I kind of set off, uh, it was the middle of February. It was, you know, February in England. So it kind of like, you almost need a submarine to keep you dry as you're hiking in places like that. And it was an amazing experience. You know, I I stopped at, you know, 500, 600 year old pubs along the way. And, and um, I managed to kind of like 
start the morning by having these giant full English breakfasts in the pub. And then I would stop at another pub for lunch and then I would finish up in a, in a pub in the evening. And you kind of, you know, rock up to these, these tiny village pubs where, you know, people don't really get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of outsiders in it. And they're super friendly, but it's the sort of place where, you know, like the dart, you know, the darts stop midair and the pool balls stop midair as you walk in and everyone's just like, who's this guy, you know, but by the end of the evening, you've made like best friends for life and you're kind of sharing gossip about who makes the best cream teas and who's going to win the cricket this year and stuff like that. So it's this great sort of local experience and it passes through a lot of history as well. But right at the end of, um, right at the end of the walk, you, uh, historically what would happen is, is pilgrims when they walked this and they got to uh, Winchester Cathedral, right next to Winchester Cathedral is the Abbey of, of St. Cross and pilgrims would like knock on this door and they would request and they would request the wayfarer's doll which is um a pint of beer and a, and a piece of bread and to this day you can still knock on the abbey door and if you've completed the south downs way you can knock on the abbey door and if you request the wayfarer's doll they will give you a glass of beer and uh and a, and a piece of bread and the glass that the cup that they give it to is is this kind of little small almost clay pewter glass um, cup, and uh, and I've still got that. And to me, that's my favorite souvenir because it's uh, from my first job, and it was the best sip of beer I've ever had. I mean, it was like flat and warm, you know, but it was still the best sip of beer I've ever had. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was great. It was great fun, and it's a great memory whenever I look at it. That's why I love like these odd souvenirs where it's something that you've like, yeah, you've connected with and there's the great story behind it. And I know about pilgrimages, but I've never heard about that one. So that's so cool. And like that you got to keep the cup too. They don't like demand it back or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. I was just like sort of swiftly putting it in my back pocket, but I don't think you should ever like steal from a monk, right? That's probably got to be some bad karma there. So yeah. I, no, they give you the cup and um you know, it's it's a popular hike. I don't think that many people do it. I, I don't I don't think really that many people outside of the UK know about it at all. Not not even that many people within it. But it's a really beautiful part of England and a beautiful walk. And and uh, yeah, I'd I'd highly re- recommend it. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, I think many of our listeners will now be trying to get their own souvenir from that walk. So, Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like if you can break that, I'm sure that's a record somewhere, but if you can break that record and get a 101 mile plus pub crawl, then, then let me know because I'll, oh. I'll be tackling that next.
That would be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Cross country, like let's we'll walk through the Cotswolds next. We'll yeah, like... <laughs> I know. If you love hiking, you'll love hiking tipsy. It's even better. Yes, <laughs> especially in England, it'll warm your soul when. It <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's amazing, and I got to be honest, I'm always appreciative of a travel souvenir that is not a weapon because I've learned that a lot of my guests <laughs> seem to have an obsession with either animals or weapons and it's wait a minute that seems completely bizarre so they're taking animals home or weapons home as well, souvenirs <laughs> like stuffed animals um taxidermy oh. things antlers bits and bobs um or yeah people keep getting gifted weapons and i think we need to stop the tradition of weapons as gifts <laughs> because yeah, not easy to take back in the, I think in the GSA is going to get really mad at us <laughs> at <the> podcast alone <laughs> yeah, for absolutely. how much we've unveiled <laughs> yeah absolutely that's really funny I didn't know that I don't think I've ever been given a, a weapon before I'm kind of feeling a bit left out now yeah I mean I guess like in a pub fight you can use a glass if you need to like, <laughs> and just, like pop someone on the head <laughs> now you're getting prepared oh, wait a minute or maybe you're revealing a, a secret part of your history that you haven't shared with your audience before do tell have you glossed someone in a pub before <laughs> i have not i've been good I'm, to hear i was getting nervous there for a second i did live in glasgow for a while so oh I'm, my god so you came close yeah i've witnessed some pub fights um especially on an orange circle crawl where you like take the oh, yeah. because the subway there's a nightmare it's just it's a literally a circle that doesn't hit any of the major points of the city <laughs> but it hits a lot of pubs so you get an all-day pass and then you just drink at every one. Oh, i and love that I was with the Harry Potter Society because they were the one doing it that day. I didn't even realize. So I'm with people in robes and like wizard cloaks. Um, and it turns out drunk Glaswegian men do not take kindly to <laughs> wizard robes so in their pubs. I know Glasgow well, and uh, that is so funny. It, I, you know what? It, it is true that it's it can be a bit of a rough place at times at night, but there is no one funnier in the world than Glaswegians. I, I've never laughed so hard that when I'm hanging out with a bunch of Glaswegians and uh, drinking and having fun. So, but yeah, I'm not sure I would brave a Harry Potter robe <laughs> in a pub <laughs> in Glasgow. No, I was glad to be in my civvies. So like I, yeah. was, like, I was sitting in the corner petting a dog at the time. So I was like, I don't look like I'm with them. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got my pint, I got a puppy, and like, I'll let them fight it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if the, if the guy dressed as Harry Potter, did he attempt to use the wand at all in the fight? He didn't have one. I was like, what? unprepared for a duel, bud. Like, <laughs> you what? came out to a bar fight without your wand? What the heck? <laughs> He didn't even try to, and it was like, and he was wearing the robes over civvies too. So I'm like, you want, you're on, you have asked this. Like, you yeah, have not gone. You have not committed. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a moment I actually genuinely forgot about until we were just talking about pub fights. Thank you for the <laughs> that's great. Memory. Yeah, I don't know how we got into pub fights, but there, there you go. At least we can find some humor in violence. That's, you know, yeah. and what it, else could we do? Especially because none of us were involved. So it's like we were <laughs> exactly. just watching the nonsense unfold. <laughs> well, you'd have to try very hard to get in a pub fight on this 100 mile pub crawl. Everyone is like crawling over themselves to, to be nice to you and buy you a drink. So it'll be the exact opposite of a dodgy Saturday night in Glasgow. Okay, so I'll tell the Harry Potter guy he doesn't need to bring his wand that one. <laughs> you could do it. You could do it. I would like to see that, actually. That would be a, a world first. You know, Harry Potter does a 100-mile pub crawl. I mean, it's kind of given Harry Potter a little bit of a dodgy name, but I think uh, I think that would be really fun. you get some great photos, anyway. <laughs> it would actually be a great PR stunt. We're going to have to, like, phone I Harry. I just want to see a drunk Harry Potter now. That's all <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> I'm sure there are many after, like, hours of the wizarding world in the UK. Just like a really drunk old Harry Potter who's bitter and, and kind of complaining into his into his half empty pint. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh my goodness. We're definitely gonna start setting up these events now just to like convince yeah. ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That'd be great. Count me in for the next one. <laughs> so now our guests would love to know your tripping up story, because we know that travel doesn't always go well. And as a professional traveler, you <laughs> have many to choose from. Yeah, I have some few stories. I thought maybe I'd do like a couple of aperitifs until we get to the big ones. So um, one story that springs to mind was I was in uh, Colombia in Bogota. I was doing a story about uh, Colombia, which I love. I have some friends out there and it's it's an amazing place. And, um, you know, if you ever want to feel like a really awkward Englishman, just go to a Colombian dance floor. I felt like, a you know, almost like one of those action figures who can't bend its legs properly whilst everyone else was like these Latin John Travolta's swinging all around me. But um, 
but anyway, so um, one day we went up in the hills, the kind of Andes foothills behind Bogota. It's really, really beautiful. You kind of leave the city a little bit and then there's all these sort of small, um, small houses and villages along these kind of dusty roads. And we took um, a horse ride up uh, through these villages and it's a really cool horse ride because if you pay a little bit extra they they bring like a big old 80s style ghetto blaster uh and so they're sort of rocking all this kind of salsa samba music as you go up on your horse and they have a like a holster of aguadiente which is like this really hot fire liquor that they that they drink out there like literally kind of fire water and um so you're doing these shots. I mean, I, I feel like all of a sudden that all these stories are involving alcohol and I'm giving, giving myself a bad name. I re these are like my two alcohol stories out of, you know, dozens. So I'm, yeah, I, I don't just drink as I travel. But uh, anyway, we had a few shots as we go up and I had like the most docile horse out of everyone, right? I literally couldn't get it to go. It was the sleepiest horse ever. And uh, I'm like miles behind the whole group. It's so sleepy. And then we get up to the to the end point and we look at this sort of amazing view. And then the guy says, okay, you know, it's time to turn around and go to the stables. And oh my God, as soon as, soon as this horse turned around and knew it was going home, it just took off. Like it just started to gallop straight away. And I couldn't stop it. And I was kind of holding on for dear life, like going through the, going through these, uh, you know, little Colombian villages, just trying to shout at people to get out of the way. And I was in such panic. I, I couldn't really remember the Spanish for like, get out of the way. You're about to die. I'm, I'm out of control here on this horse, you know? And uh, I literally could not get this horse to stop. I'd never ridden a horse before. And so my first time ever, I'm kind of galloping on a horse. I'm like half holding onto its neck with both hands because I, I can't see to uh, hold on any other way and my legs are just like gripped like iron and in fact um, when I got off the horse like every muscle in my leg was ripped I couldn't I couldn't even walk you know I looked like a kind of John Travolta after he'd, uh, sorry like a John Wayne after he'd been beat up or something because uh, I had been just like every muscle in my body had been tense to this so I survived that um, I had some other fun experiences cliff camping out here in Colorado which is like a uh, an experience where they take you up on a on a portal ledge uh, to to spend the night. It's like what mountaineers use to do these kind of multi pitch ascents of big wall mountains. And um, I've done a bunch of climbing and stuff before, but as we were climbing up uh, this this route to get to the portal ledge, uh, my guide, who's this kind of James Bond of of climbing, this guy called Buster Jack Jessic, who was just like cool as a cucumber the whole time, never felt never any fear. Everything's totally relaxed. We get up there. And there's a lightning strike right next to us, which is a huge killer up in the Rocky Mountains. And this kind of cool guy just starts swearing and muttering to himself like, oh my God, get, get down quick, get down quick. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Like as soon as I saw him being nervous, I, was, I sort of understood the severity of it. And we get down to the bottom and I'm like, okay, you know, that's it, we're, we're not doing it. And part of me was really relieved because it was actually terrifying being on the portal ledge. I thought it'd be like this kind of stable thing but it's not stable at all it was like this surfboard in like a in a stormy sea it was just rocking with the wind and it felt really incredibly unstable but buster had other ideas we weren't finished we waited out the lightning storm he made us hike up the back side of this cliff like through bear country scrambling up in the dark jump over this like big crevasse type thing and then abseil down in the dark to this uh, to this portal edge and i had never I'd never experienced this before, but it was it was like this kind of ancient lizard part of my brain was like, you are not going to sleep. You are, you know, you are under threat here. And um, and I spent the whole night just kind of gripping the, the rope uh, and and feeling like completely insecure and wondering how I got myself into this situation. But then, um, you know, he had said something that night and we had seen all these uh, we've seen all these lights in the houses below us in this town, Estes Park, which is like the gateway to Rocky Mountain. And um, and as the sun came up and the dawn came up and all these cl uh, colors just sort of flooded the valley, I kind of started to relax. And he said, look at all those people down there. Look at all those lights. They're just, you know, getting ready for their day at work, driving off in their cars, making their breakfast. And they don't know what it feels like to be here. And at that moment, I kind of realized how amazing it was and how lucky I was to be in that place. And so even though I went through, 
you know, maybe one of the scariest experiences in my life to, to survive that night and that storm, it was worth it in the end because I kind of had that very special view, that very special perspective of what it was like to be in that really completely wild place. So th those are two of my, my favorite stories. But the actual scariest thing that I ever did, well, and, Ooh, okay. and, and this, I got myself into a right pickle and I, I was in Panama and um, in a place called Bocas del Toro, and which is like a kind of really beautiful part of Panama on the Caribbean side, like islands and kind of windswept beaches and lots of jungle. And I was staying in a, actually in a chocolate farm that was a really remote chocolate farm that kind of had a couple of rooms and B&B. It was, it was an amazing place. And it was like actually this English couple that had set it up and they were doing a lot of work with the local indigenous tribe that lived there. They had a son who was kind of like going to school with all these other kids from the tribe. And it was a really amazing setup and uh, kind of asked them like, you know, kind of what, so what's there to do here? What can we explore? And they said, oh you know one of these guys um he'll take you in a canoe and you can go and explore this this local cave um you know we haven't done it but we've 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 heard it's really great they, they do that so i was like okay that sounds great and this guy picks me up in a little dugout canoe and we paddle through the mangrove and then we get out and we hike through the jungle and it takes a long time and after a while we just come to this kind of gaping black pitch cave that just like goes down down into the into the jungle and you can't even really see where it is and we each have these head torches these kind of you know um flashlights on our head and and uh and we start descending into this cave and <clears throat> i'm following him because you know i don't know where the hell i'm going and it's it's pitch black and as we get in there it's it starts to descend into a river so my feet start getting wet and the water just starts getting deeper and deeper and i kind of look behind myself and it's that time when you know, you realize that you're surrounded in this darkness all of a sudden that you maybe couldn't find your way back if you wanted to, because it's just pitch black behind you. And then I feel this like this wind up above me, like this swirling wind, and it's really heavy. And I kind of said to him, like, how, how you, you know, what is this wind? How do you have this wind? And he said, no, 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 shines his torch up. And there are thousands of bats like thousands and thousands of bats all swarming around this cavern kind of coming down swooping on my head and my shoulder and he's like we must you know we must get down now and so we go further into the river and we're crouching down in this underground black river and then eventually it gets to the place where it's kind of up to my shoulders and then it's up to my neck and then I can't stand in this river anymore and we're swimming through this pitch black underground river and at that point my head torch goes out and uh, I'd run out of batteries on my head torch. So all I have is like his light ahead of me and he's going super fast. And I'm just kind of swimming through this uh, river, like terrified of what might be underneath me. Um, and we scram at one point, we kind of scramble up some slippery rocks and we get to this, this top. And I think we've, I think, oh, thank God, you know, we've reached the end, but he actually jumps off this cliff and I just see his light disappear like 20 feet down and then splash into this other pool and then he just starts swimming off so I have like no choice but to like jump in after him and you know submerged in this deep water um and then you know we, we go down deeper and deeper into the cave until we finally reach the end and it's taken us like an hour to get there we're really deep into this cave and we're sitting there together and he, he says, I, I want to show you what real darkness is. And um, he switches off his, his light. And all of a sudden, we're surrounded in this. I've never experienced darkness like that. It's so thick. I mean, you could, you could hold your hand like right in front of your eyes and you couldn't see it. But it's so thick. It's that kind of darkness where you almost feel like someone's standing above your shoulder. Like it almost has a presence. And um, it, it, to sort of calm myself, I, I try to speak to him and I say, um, you know, so, so what is your, why does your tribe come here? What, what do you use this place for? And I'm thinking maybe they came here like historically to do ceremonies or maybe they have certain beliefs about it. And he turns to me and he says, oh no, no one else from my tribe will come here. They're too scared of the giant anaconda that lives here. And I was like, let's just say I've never hugged another man so closely in all my life. <laughs> I wouldn't let him go. 
the entire time until he took me out of that cave. I literally just kind of grabbed hold of him. I was like, please put your light back on. And I just kind of hugged him around the shoulders the whole way we went back and we made it back in the end, but uh, the anaconda didn't get us. But um, oh yeah, I, I survived the anaconda of Panama. But going back through that river, swimming back through that, that pool in the dark was maybe one of the scariest things I've ever done. So yeah, that was, uh, that was me messing up. But uh, also it was, again, like if you can get through experiences like that, they're, they're also some of the greatest experiences you'll have because, you know, where else would you have, where else would you get to experience something like that? And if you live to tell the tale, it's a, it's a good tale and you'll be dining out on it for a while. Well, and like, once again, it's kind of based on people you meet, because like, if he hadn't kind of slightly misled you, <laughs> you <laughs> never would have put yourself in that situation. I know, I came back to the chocolate farm, I was like, what? I mean, what? Are you, where did you guys send me? And they're like, yeah, oh, no, we haven't done that. And I was like, yeah, it's intense. There's an anaconda. But <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, I think things are you know, what's normal is different in different places. And I guess if you live in the jungle and, and you're surrounded by that your whole life, then maybe it's not quite as scary. Although I would say I would probably make an exception for giant anacondas for that, you know, swimming underneath you. I feel like darkness is like inherently scary, especially when it is like, like, yeah, like the lack of sense. So like it kind of mm. with floating in the water, you're also kind of taking away that sense. You take away with like the dampness of it. That's really all you can smell. So you're kind of like, it's like it's like those like flotation chambers that some people pay like millions for but i think yeah. would just be a panic attack like, just... <laughs> yes absolutely yeah it's true isn't it i mean it's just something instinctual that we've evolved to be wary of the dark mm -hmm. you know and and it's something that you can't really control those kind of really um ancient instinctual things are something that you kind of can't talk yourself out of and of course once you once you open that door it's it's hard to shut it again but i guess if you just try and and see it as just another experience and you know i really feel like that for me traveling is also about kind of collecting those experiences collecting those memories and because i feel like you take them with you you know it's not something that you just have it's not something ethereal that you just have in that moment. It's something that you kind of take back with you and, and in some small way, it come, becomes a part of you and changes you and helps you see the world differently. So yeah, I always try and embrace, embrace those instances, embrace the, embrace the fear to some extent and try it anyway. I actually just interviewed this guy called Mike Corey, who uh, he has a YouTube channel called Far, uh, Fearless and Far which and his whole ethos was he kind of grew up really scared and paranoid about a lot of things and then through travel he actually discovered that it kind of put him in situations which forced him to confront a lot of his fears and through that it it kind of opened him up in some way and so now he kind of his style of travel is is really all about you know he talks about having a war on fear that you that you have to be uh, you have to choose to be fearless in every moment that fearless isn't something that we attain like enlightenment fearless is some is a choice we make in every single moment and when we make that choice um we we allow ourselves to grow that's like a catalyst for our own growth and understanding about ourselves. and so it's it's a kind of it's a kind of magic trick that you can do to uh, to learn more about yourself and and really experience the world to the full i love that because that is like a lot of the stories that I, I share my tripping up story, which I will in a minute, but a lot of the stories that I've shared have been like moments of fear. And actually like I have had a snake encounter as well, um, where another local tricked me and uh, showed me a giant python in a dog food bag telling me I was going to feed the strays. And then oh there's God. a live python in the bag. Oh my God. So, <laughs> um, and I'm phobic of snakes. So not, not my best moment. Um, and <laughs> I, I apparently I never told my mother that story. So she heard it for the first time on the podcast and then called me and said, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened to this place I sent you? How did I not hear about this? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that is interesting that like the war on fear and it is true. It's a choice. And like, I've always said travel shapes you. I was like, I moved abroad at 16 by myself. Before that, I was the quiet kid that didn't speak, that didn't take risks. My mom still ordered like my ice cream for me and things like that because I just I was too shy. And now like I'm a digital nomad who explores the world because like you do, you you kind of you get thrown into the deep end and you have to figure it out. And 
it's so much fun. And it's such a, like such a good way to learn who you are. Like I'm, I'm all for therapy, but I feel like travel should be prescribed to a lot more people in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and a lot more fun than sitting in front of an office or lying on the couch getting blaming your mother for all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've, <laughs> Sorry, I've, <mom>. done, <laughs> I've done therapy in some cool places because I do virtual therapies while I travel. Oh, so nice. like I used to do therapy in like a hammock in Spain outside of a meditation <laughs> retreat I was working better, at. Yeah. Like that's so much better. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to share uh, my travel story with you now to even the playing field. And we're going to take it back to alcohol, actually, um, <laughs> nice. which I should also say, I don't just drink all the time. In fact, I, I rarely drink. Um, but I come from a Serbian and uh, Scottish family, both heavy drinkers. So I failed my bloodline quite significantly. It's been <laughs> talked about at family reunions. It's a thing. So <laughs> um, a few years ago, I spent a gap year in Europe. And one of the places I really wanted to go to was Serbia because I'd never been to my ancestral homeland. My grandmother who is Russian born, but had to flee to Serbia during the crisis um, that like she grew up in former Yugoslavia that's now Serbia. My grandfather, his entire family is from Serbia. So it's this place that I feel very connected to, but didn't actually really know. So I went and also I'll be honest, I was freeloading on a cousin's couch because <laughs> I was also traveling for a year Always having useful. saved, yeah, having <laughs> saved up almost nothing. So, um, but Serbian people are like, they're very much like, like most cultures in the world where like you show up and they immediately take you in, they stuff you with far too much food and they just like give you so much love. And I was really excited for that. Cause I was like, yeah, like I've been on my own for months now. Like I was living in a barn in Croatia. I was doing all these like weird things. I was like, I just like to like live for a minute and be like kind of pampered by like aunts and uncles. I don't know. Um, but part of that, they decided like, they know I like travel. So they were like, we're going to take you touring. Don't you worry. We're going to go around and we are going to see Serbia. And I was like, great local guide. Like, that's what you want. Really. You want people who like know the area. I had done no research aside from Belgrade where I was going to stay part of the time with my cousin. Um, they're from a smaller town called Klisura, which is uh, kind of closer to the Bulgarian border and where a lot of the um, Nazi occupation was happening, which was really unfortunate. But so they were like, let's move away from all the like war history and let's go elsewhere. And religion really matters to them. And so my, I don't really know what he is. Like, I don't understand the degrees of separation of like second and third cousins, but he's like, he's my grandfather's cousin, but like my mom's, I don't know. So somehow this man who's related to me, who <laughs> I call my uncle, um, he, he and his friend, or well, he and his cousin, um, who is an insane person, like in the best way. The first time I met him, he jumped in front of our car and pretended we hit him. And that was my introduction to this man. Nice. Like, like, I mean, we were going slowly. Like it was like, we were like stopping in front of the train station to pick him up. And he just jumps out and is like, ah, and I was, I was like, what is going, did we just get involved in an accident? Like what's happening? Um, so, yeah. So that's how he introduced himself to me. So he and my cousin decided to, or my uncle, sorry, decided to take me to one of the most famous monasteries in Serbia. That's kind of like the hub of the Serbian Orthodox tradition. And my uncle is an optometrist. So he kind of goes around, he's kind of a traveling optometrist. So like the priests knew him and loved him because Russian priests, I don't know what happens, but it seems like they're only old men. Like it feels like you like get put in like a box and you have to wait until your beard is like down to your belly button and like you are you grow an extra foot because they're all so tall and then you age into a 60-year-old man immediately or something. <laughs> so it's it's like all these like really old austere men, they wear these black long robes and then this giant gold cross right on their chest. So they're like, they're very imposing men. And to see them just like start laughing and joking and being like, oh, dragon. And like, just like screaming across the church, you forget that they're real people too. So they all come out and they're like, oh, we're gonna do something special for your, your niece. Like, come on, come on. So we go into this back room and like, I was raised Catholic, but I don't really understand any religion I'll be honest so like I don't know what this room is what the like protocol is like I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to start bowing or praying like is this a confession what what's happening and so instead he starts lining up shots it's eight in the morning um what church is this I'm, I'm, I'm almost a convert 
<laughs> so he just like, but he, he like, and he doesn't line up like one for each of us. He lines up two for each of us. And um, in Serbian tradition, it's, there's an alcohol, it's kind of, it exists in many different places, um, but basically it's called Shlivavitsa and it's like a like plum drink. And so they, they often call it schnapps in Croatia as well, because they're basically the same, even though they just hate each other. So it can't be the same, but it's essentially like drinking wiper fluid. Like it's, it, not that it doesn't taste good, but it will kill you and you should never drink it so i'm there at seven in the or eight in the morning i've had it's spring as well so also i'm on a ton of allergy meds because i'd never had allergies before i show up in serbia in spring and i i've had allergies ever since i think i caught them in serbia so i have all this benadryl in me and now they're like okay shots but like my uncle's driving so he can only have one because apparently one is a lot, I don't know, it doesn't seem allowed. Um, and the, so then they're like, okay, you take his as well. So now I have four <laughs> shots in front of me. And then um, his daughter who's there as well, she's like, oh no, no, I don't want any. So now I get hers. And I was like, I'm supposed to do six shots at eight in the Can't morning. Be rude, right in that situation, you know, it's like, gotta do it. <laughs> so I was sitting there like preparing to do, like I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, how soon do I have to run outside to throw up after immediately <laughs> drinking all of these? Is it like, appropriate to throw up in a church you've just been invited into? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Could, can I ask them for like something to eat to go with it? Because like, this the is not going to go off. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, a holy bucket would be amazing. So I'm getting ready just to like puke my guts out. And then, the, and then they just start laughing at me because they see me reaching for them. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to make you do six. We're not crazy. And I was like, oh, they like, Thank God. Thank your God. Thank my God. Thank everybody's God, honestly. Um, so then they take away four and I was like, but I still have to do two. What? <laughs> and so, so in the end, um, we managed to negotiate with the priests down to one because apparently that's when that's when it's real rude. So I had to have this. And I've had it a couple of times before I've had it. Like we often do it at Serbian, uh, like gatherings at my house. We, I had it at like their house when I first arrived, um, again, to be polite. So I expected it to like, not be great. But what I didn't know is that priests are apparently superhuman. So like where normal Shlivovitz is like 70 proof, they go for like 95 proof. Wow. So, and this is a full shot glass of this like clear liquid that looks unassuming. So I do the shot. And I'm not kidding. It immediately made me cry, like <laughs> real sobbing, like not just like, oh, a little bit, not like, oh, cause I'm coughing. Like uh, tears are streaming down my face <laughs> because of how, like, I was so sure I could start breathing fire at that moment, just because like, that's how everything I could feel my entire digestive system. I uh, like, it was, I don't know if that's like a special type of cleanse. Maybe that's like it's holier that way I don't know but I felt both dead and alive all at once <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it and like luckily it was just the one I did get I but I got out of there and I gotta tell you I was drunk for the rest of the day like <laughs> and I'm a bit of a lightweight I'm not that much of a lightweight <laughs> so it was I, like I had to sleep it off in the back of the car on the way to our next destination. <laughs> I can just imagine you like slurring your way through all these Serbian <laughs> sites afterwards. Genuinely, I think that was probably the case. And like, I, yeah, I could like barely keep my eyes open for a little while in the car. And like, cause I do have a tendency, they used to make fun of me there as well. Cause like as a kid, I used to get car sick. So I trained myself to fall asleep in cars. That way, like I would just pass out. Um, I've since learned that it might be because it might be like a learned behavior because my grandma used to like drug my mom with cough syrup when they would go on road trips to Florida to, to their house there. So maybe it's like by osmosis, like my body retained that knowledge <laughs> through the gene pool. Um, but so I used to fall asleep on all these car journeys and they just laugh and be like, oh, she's asleep again. Or like, we'll go for a drive and Nina can have a nap. Um, and yeah, so I, th I think that like they were already making fun of me for that. So I was trying really hard to hide how much this had hit me because I was like, I'm already the weak Canadian. I don't want to be like the really weak Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a great story. And you know what? I, it's part of the world I really want to see actually as well. I recently did a story about a guy who 
walk through the Balkans because it's kind of this misunderstood region. But it's, uh, yeah. you know, and people in Europe don't often don't even think of it as Europe or don't go there. And historically, it's kind of had this really unfair, bad rep. But I hear all the same things that you're saying. They're just incredibly warm, friendly people. And now that I know they, they drink wiper fluid, I, I'm in 100%. <laughs> well, they drink a lot of other things too. Like my, my grandmother, um, I recently wrote a blog post actually about visiting Serbia in spring. And my grandmother's my unofficial editor. She's a 92 year old woman who can, who can't see it. So like her computer reads it to her. And she's like, I'm like, she'll call me every week like okay manjki here's like here's where i found a typo here's what i didn't like here's what i would have added and i'm like yeah you would have added but i've never like so she started telling me when she was 16 and she got drunk off of um it's like the first time she got like absolutely shittered it's this people had like a barrel of this special um sparkling wine in their house and like I didn't know sparkling wine could come in a barrel but apparently in serbia and so she's like you should have written about that and i was like it didn't happen to me. What? How? <laughs> How could I write about it? <laughs> I love that. That's great. I wish my yeah. grandmother edited me. <laughs> well, you'll find some great stuff there. And if you want to adopt grandmothers, I got to tell you, they are all ready for extra grandkids over there. Yeah, like, you'll you just send my work to your grandmother. That sounds even oh. better. There you go. Like she, she would be so happy. Like most of what she does is be like, okay, I found this person. Like she gets Russian television in Canada. She's like, okay, there's this travel log on Russian television and he did this. And here's what I didn't like about it. And I'm like, I don't know him. I can't give him your feedback. (laughs) You work in the industry, just phone him up. (laughs) Well, also, because they're usually reruns from like 40 years ago. So I'm not even sure if he's still alive. (laughs) Just don't tell her that. No, I let her live in her. I'm just like, yep, okay, I'll let him know. He'll change it for next time. Promise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how to play that one. <laughs> well, now that we've both shared um, some of the less glamorous sides of travel, we always like to end on a travel triumph when tripping up. So if you could share with us something that inspires you about travel or your favorite travel moment, just to kind of help us remember why we love it. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, well, the, I guess what's important to me about travel why i love travel is at the end of my podcast i always say two things and the first thing is um the more we look for wonder in the world the more the wonder of the world becomes part of who we are and that's really important to me um i love the concept of wonder anyway i wrote a book about the 50 greatest wonders of the world and i think that we're in some way in our society today in the west suffering a bit of a wonder deficit i don't think that we have enough wonder in our life i think that you know we've evolved to live out under the stars and most of the time in cities we don't even see them anymore and we kind of evolved to be connected to the outside world and to all these natural sources of awe. but now we're kind of connected to tv screens and laptop screens and of course a lot of that is a necessity but i feel that we're suffering something from that i think that wonder is a is the seed from which a lot of the best things in life grow science and art creativity and when we have that wonder deficit we um, we kind of shrink our imagination and we shrink our creativity and we we lose something of ourselves so i think that but i also think that it's not it doesn't have to be about going to the grand canyon or the great pyramids or, or anything like that it's it's about a perspective it's about how you look at the world and if you look for wonder in the world then you begin to see it more. And when you begin to see it more, it becomes a part of, of who you are and becomes that filter through which you you understand the world. And so for me, uh, you know, I kind of call myself a wanderer. Sometimes I try and collect those moments of wonder. And um, and that's, that's really important. And the other thing I say is um, dare to be truly alive. That's how I finish each episode, dare to be truly alive. And what I mean by that is, is so many of us, live these prescribed lives in which we feel that we that there's a way to exist you know that it, that the clique that we're born into through our family and friends and the school we went into and the country we grew up in that way of life is kind of we're destined to it we're you know that that is the only way of life and i think when you travel you start to understand that that's just one way of life among many that's just one set of values and beliefs among many and i think when you start to realize that it it opens something inside of you because it allows you to kind of choose yourself more freely and authentically. And it allows you to maybe live a life that is very different to, to the lives of the people you grew up with, but connects with you more deeply and, and kind of 
allies your passions and interests with your, your with your skills and talents and and that's how you put what's worthwhile from yourself into the world so um i think you have to dare to do that though i think it takes courage to do that to, to break out of that mold you know we're also as human beings we're kind of you know we're kind of designed to be herd animals we're kind of designed to fit into the tribe and so um but now the tribe doesn't have to be that small group of people that we that we grew up around that tribe can be any one of a number of tribes that that exist around the world you know and by that i mean different ways of of thinking about life different values different um you know different ways of of living your life and so yeah i think that when you dare to be truly alive you dare to live the life that truly means something to you and i think travel can do that and uh and that's what i love to talk about and, and that's really what travels all about for me that's absolutely beautiful. I don't want to say anything else because I'm worried I will ruin the beauty of that statement. I mean, genuinely, you put it in words perfectly. And I just want to say thank you so, so much for joining us on Tripping Up, Aaron. Oh, thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun, Dina. I really appreciate it. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. Aaron ended on such a high note that I'm going to keep this short and simple and say that this was such a fun episode. I think we learned so much and I am getting ready for a hundred mile pup crawl now. Although maybe not with Schlievovitsa because I think that would knock me out after like the first foot. <laughs> if you want to hear more about Aaron, check out his podcast, the Armchair Explorer podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's one of my favorite podcasts ever. You can actually find it in my roundup of the best travel podcasts on Nina Out and About. The Armchair Explorer podcast is an adventure storytelling podcast that's set to music and cinematic effects. Every episode, one of the world's greatest adventurers tells their best story from the road. There's no long-winded interviews, no hums and haws and things that you don't care about. You just get straight to the action and hear right about the adventure. As a bonus, you'll get to know more about Aaron and hear more of his adventures as well. Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of Tripping Up. As always, you'll hear from me in another two weeks with another amazing episode of Tripping Up and our second episode guest who has some interesting couch surfing tips for you that might put you off using the platform. Let's find out in two weeks. Have a great time, guys. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.